You're listening to Living Faith, the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Avon Park, Florida. First Baptist Church is located at 100 North Lake Avenue in Avon Park, Florida. We meet Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. for Sunday school and 10.45 a.m. for morning worship. Sunday evening services are at 6 p.m. On Wednesday, we meet at 6 p.m. for our weekly Bible study along with our immersive student and children's ministries. Find out more at www.fbcap.net or give us a call at 863-453-6681. You can email us at info at fbcap.net. We'd love to connect with you soon. This is part of our current Sunday morning sermon series, Look and Live, Life and Light in the Gospel of John. Take your Bible, turn if you will to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, as we continue our wonderful journey through the Gospel of John, it is a, a busy day, it's a special day. The day is our, we honor our graduates uh, tonight at 7 o'clock, just as a, by way of information, there's no PM service, and uh, our baccalaureate service will be here today, Avon Park High School, and so um, we honored our, our graduating seniors as they're being uh, honor tonight. That service is at seven. This is the only time I'll tell you do not come to church tonight. Uh, it is uh, for the family and those that are graduated, and usually it is a packed house. And so you'll never hear your pastor say this again, but you cannot come to church tonight. Uh, and it's a great opportunity uh, for those as we uh, the, the choir sings, the school choir and preaching. So it's a this is a neat service to be able to see our kids. Uh, in here, as I look at the graduates, it really—if you think about it—somebody might say, "Why in the world are we doing graduation Sunday on Mother's Day? Does it not fit perfectly?" I mean, if you sit there as a parent, you're, you're watching that child graduate, and you can't help but to think, "How can this be possible? Is that not true?" And when you raise your children, you're going—I mean, I was sitting there going as as Christopher was singing. I'm going backwards in my mind, going. 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10. He was in starting middle school when I got here. One of my favorite Christopher stories is, is he was, he, he was playing. I just use him as an example how fast they grow up. Is he, the first time I heard him play the piano, it seemed like he was playing on two fingers, you know, ding, 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 ding. And I was like, well, that's cute. And then it was like the next month, it was just, a, a, you know, just a, and I was like, no, that's real cute. Uh, but it is amazing how, quick our children grow up and so mothers thank you uh thank you so much for mothers out there i think about my own mother this morning and uh we're not going to honor the oldest the youngest the sweetest the meanest the furthest travel you've done we're not going to do all that uh we we love our mothers but more than anything else we love jesus christ and uh, we think about the love of a mother and a care for a mother and all that a mother is there's no greater love story picture uh, than Jesus Christ. So we have our graduates, we have Mother's Day, and what a perfect text, John 15. So look at you, Will, to John chapter 15. I can't think of a more fitting text than to preach on. So we come and we think about our mothers and our graduates and, and just the journey of life that we are involved with. But thankful for the hope is, is uh, we just heard wonderfully in song all that we have in Jesus Christ and the gospel, and how important the gospel of Jesus Christ, and how the gospel of Jesus Christ is still the answer for everything, and the greatest need that we have. 
John 15, beginning in verse 1, Jesus in this uh, discourse from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and he had left the upper room, and this discourse is he's traveling uh, from the upper room. And somebody said, well, how do you know he, he's traveling? Well, he said in verse the last verse of John 14, let us go from here. So he could either still be in the upper room or he's transitioning out, but it's these last few minutes with the disciples. And he's encouraging them, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe also in God. Believe also in me. And he's preparing them for the crucifixion. He's preparing them for the arrest and beaten and the crucifixion, but he's also preparing them for his ascension into heaven and the coming of the Holy Spirit and the launching of the church into the world. And so just as real as these words were to those 11, minus Judas, those 11, they are so true for us here today. John 15, verse 1, I am, and don't miss this, the true vine, a very important word in this text. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, meaning the vine dresser, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, meaning the vine dresser, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. What a, a wonderful, profound statement. It's such a profound statement, but yet so often it is just totally forgotten and totally disregarded. What is the key to life? Graduates, what is the key to success? What is the key to accomplishing anything in life? It is verse five. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. You want to, let me, let me show you a great answer. How can I live a life that brings glory and honor to the Father? By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. What a great picture. As the Father has loved the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ loves us as his own. And it says, abide in that love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy, don't miss this, that your joy may be full. Now I'm gonna go out on a prophetic limb right here. I get a feeling this morning that not everybody in this room has their joy full. Would you agree to that? Why not? I think it's a matter of gospel perspective. 
Maybe we have forgotten who the vine is, where the vine is. Maybe we have forgotten what a branch is. Maybe we have forgotten this whole gospel concept that everything we need in life, everything we desire in life is found in Christ as Christ is in us and the Father's love is in the Son and the Son's love is in the believers and we have all of this right in front of us and Jesus said that is where you find joy and if you abide in that, your joy will be full. What a great word. That our joy may be full. Let's bow in prayer as we begin our time in the text. Lord, we thank you for your word. What an awesome picture to think about you sitting there with those 11 and sharing these words. What an awesome picture we have today of you sitting with us, sharing these words. We're grateful for the gift of scripture, your truth, your teachings, your word, your commandments, your precepts, the actual word of God with us. As we come to honor our graduates as we come to honor our mothers I pray that we have come to honor the son let us open up our ears and our mind and our heart to the true vine this morning Lord let us hear from you and this we pray in Jesus wonderful name amen and amen John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. For those that have been keeping track, you realize this is the seventh of the I am statements. There are seven I am statements throughout John. And those seven I am statements are statements that are, are proving or teaching or solidifying Jesus to the world, most of these were before the Jewish religious people and Jesus would have been standing before them saying, you seek God, you worship God, you do the things to please God, I am God. And this is the seventh statement, but this seventh I am statement is made before the disciples. Statement one was, I am the bread of life, John 6. Number two, I am the light of the world, John 8. John 10, I am the door of the sheep. John 10, I am the good shepherd. John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. And in John 14, the number six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Then here, John 15, the seventh I am statement, I am the true vine. I am God. And as we look at John 15, these verses, this is not about what we can do. This is not of what we can accomplish. This is not about fruit. This is not about success. It's not about, this is about the gospel. This is about Jesus being God in the flesh. This is about Jesus saying, I am God. I am sent from God. I am the son of God. I am God. This is who I am. This is who, who, who sent me. This is where I'm from. This is why it matters to you. It's what Jesus is saying in these statements throughout the gospel of John. I am the true vine. Let's look at this 11 verses this way. There's two big points and then some little points, all right? You can follow real clear, don't you? That's why I make my outline available on my on my website, on, if you follow along, you can go to pastorjohnbeck.com, no H in the John, and I provide my notes literally right there so if you have a smartphone. It makes me feel like I can talk faster. 
let's look at the setting here. Look right there in verse 1. The vine and the vine keeper. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. The vine is the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice the wording he uses there for the vine. It says, I am the true vine. So if you would have looked throughout the New Testament, well, if you'd have looked throughout the Old Testament, you're familiar with the Old Testament, and you even think of like Mark 12 and that parable, the vine is used often to talk about, especially in the Old Testament, in Psalms, in Jeremiah, in Isaiah, as Israel is the vine. And the lack of them to be able to provide the fruit of the vine. And there, there's a picture of Israel being the vine. In Mark 12, there's a parable about the vine keeper and the, and the servants and the coming and the vine. And so this audience would have been understanding very clearly this reference to the vine. It would have been considered the nation of Israel in God's favor, in God's people. And Jesus, as he always did in these I am statements, he looks right into the heart of the disciples, right into the heart of the people. And he says, I am the true vine. They would have gotten that. I am the true vine. Earlier in John's gospel, in, in chapter 1, verse 9, it talked about John the Baptist coming as a witness to one that was about to come. In John 1, 9, it says that Jesus is the true light. He's not the John the Baptist light. He is the true light. He is the And he looked at them and he said, I am the true bread sent down from the Father. The manna was a type of bread. John the Baptist was a type of light. The nation of Israel was a type of a vine. I am the true light. I am the true bread. I am the true vine. That vine is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament pointing to that coming Messiah. I think about our day to day. We've got so many things we can believe and follow. And I'm amazed at the number of things that people believe and follow. That makes sense? We've got a lot of options and I'm always amazed at what we fall for. Even within the church, I think we're guilty of it. Jesus Christ is the true vine. Amen? It is a true gospel. As you go through those, those, those I am, the true life, the true light, the true door, the true shepherd, the true resurrection and the life, the true way, truth and the life, the true vine, all that we need to know is what God has already said about who his son is. That's it. We don't care what the world says. We don't care what the world comes up with. The answer of all humanity is the redemption of sin that is provided through the true vine. Graduates, where'd you go? You're scattered out amongst you. I've lost you. I always say this. It's kind of one of my things I just always say. 
I don't believe you're going to be able to do diddly squat. You know what that means in the Greek? Nothing. I don't believe in you. I tell you right now, I don't believe in you. If you just sit there and you say, well, what do you think about this crowd? I have no hope in that crowd. But I tell you who I do have hope in. The true vine. So the world's going to sit and tell you, you can do all, just dream big. Yeah, dream big. Your life's going to turn into a dumpster fire without the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just go ahead and dream big. Do what you think you want to do. It's not going to end well. We, we got a lot of testimony about that in here in this room, don't we, amen? But what I get excited about is when I see young people that love Jesus, when I see young people that love the true vine, young people that are abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, now that crowd going to turn hell upside down one day. They're going to turn the world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I get excited about. My hope is not in the things of the world. My hope is in this crowd that abides in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the true vine. Then we have a vine dresser. That's the father. Now, I spent a lot of time. I knew it was going to be Mother's Day. I knew it was going to be graduate. One day, when, the older I get, the wiser I, I become. There's two days we have to be out before 12. Mother's Day is one of them. You don't cook, and so you're going to the restaurant. So I promise you, I'm going to try to get you out before 12 today. There are so many pictures. I, could, I, I, I say that. I could stay here till 3 o'clock talking about God the Father as the vine dresser. My grandfather... made wine you're looking at me right now going he Baptist no he's non-denominational non-denominational people can grow can make wine Baptist can't <laughs> I understand what a wine dresser vine dresser does I understand the concept because we had grape vines at his home in North Georgia and I, I read a lot of that about what a vine dresser does. Because I think sometimes we read scripture and we just fly through it. Well, God, the Father's a vine dresser. A vine dresser had a role and a job. And he meticulously took care of his vines. And everything was under the loving care and guidance of that vine dresser. He cared for that vineyard. It's where we get our idea of God the Father caring and protecting us as our vine dresser. He watched over the vineyard. I, I love this concept. Nothing lost his eyes. Nothing was outside of the sight of his eye. He would meticulously walk up and down that vine. And he had his eye on every disease and bug and, and sprout and everything. And I think about my heavenly father as a vine dresser. He sees everything. He watches meticulously over his creation. We have a loving heavenly father that is in control of everything that we see. And that is a great thing. He cares for us. He, he watches over us. And last, this idea of this vine dresser, he is faithful at what he does. I think about our young people. Now, here's my thing about young people. 
you're probably going to change your mind, okay? But that's okay. You're not going to maybe be that which you think you're going to be today, but that's okay. Keep following Christ and loving him. Why? Because the Father is faithful. He will put you places that you need to go to for many different reasons. And if you're following after him, he is faithful to watch over you and he will put you exactly where you need to be because the vine dresser has an idea of what he wants to come out of that vineyard. And the father cares for us and he watches over us and the father is faithful unto his children and unto his church and unto the vineyard. That's a great hope to have that he is watching over you. So in verse one, we have the vine and the vine dresser. Verses two through 11, we have the branches. It's kind of, Kind of think about it. One verse, there's God the Father, God the Son. The rest of the verses, people. How do the branches fit in with the vine and the vine dresser? Look there, verse two. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse two is kind of a a synopsis of what's going on with the branches. You've got two groups here. You got, you got, all of us are branches, but one of two types. Here's a way to understand it from the context. We're either one of the 11 or we're Judas. Here's what's alarming to me as a pastor. Judas lived with the 12 and hung around Jesus. I believe every service I preach, there's a Judas in our midst. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm not gonna make eye contact with you. I'm not trying to be judgmental or or bitter or evil. But to the idea, I think in any crowd, any church service all over the world, there's gonna be a Judas sitting there. Knows Jesus, knows what he looks like, knows what he did, knows what he did for three years, knows what he had to do, knows everything about him. The, the Bible talks about in the gospel, in the book of James, the demons know Jesus Christ. The demons know all the things of the Lord and they even shudder. But there's a huge difference between a Judas and the 11. There's no gray area with the gospel. We are either a a branch that is connected to the vine that is bearing fruit or we are either a branch that is saying it is part of the vine but it is not part of the vine and the vine dresser comes in and he takes that vine away and he burns it. Now there's different understandings of this all over the map of, of there's two branches there both branches are saved. One branch loses their salvation and they're, they're cast away. One idea is that they both are true, truly born again believers and they're kind of that carnal person and, and, and they're, they're cast away. I don't see it that way. I think we have one vine that is bearing fruit that God is blessing this other branch because it is thrown into judgment. It was not a believer. 
two branches, that's it. Great question. Where do you stand today? There's no middle ground. There's no I'm processing this. There's no I'm thinking through this. There's none of this. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not into that religion thing. I believe in Jesus, but I'm not into church. I'm into Jesus, but I'm not into the things Jesus is into. That's what I tell people. I'm into Jesus, and I'm into everything he's into. I love Jesus, and I love everything he loves. I, I told somebody that one time, it's completely speechless. Well, I'm a believer, but I'm not into all that stuff. And I said, well, you know what? I'm into Jesus, and I'm into God, and I'm into the Word, and I'm into everything he's into. I love him, and I love the things that he loves. And the last time I checked, Jesus Christ loves the church. But that ought to scare us to death. How religious Judas looked and lived with Christ for three years. But it also ought to give us hope. Because I think the scripture is very clear that I know in my heart, I know I'm a born-again believer of Jesus Christ. I have confessed my sin to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has forgiven me my sins and the best of my ability. I'm not perfect at it, but my prayer is that I am blameless, that every day I get up, I want to live a life that brings glory and honor to the Lord, and I want to live a life that honors and pleases the Father, and I follow after the Son. I want to live a Christian life out. There's a big difference. Notice this terminology used here so we have the branches now there's three terms I want us to get familiar with in about 10 minutes one this idea of bearing fruit what does bearing fruit look like now here's the danger of, of bearing fruit here's the danger of a preacher when he starts talking about bearing fruit Okay, if you want to know that you're a branch, if you want to, if you want to understand what a fruit-bearing person looks like, one of the dangers we have as a pastor, we start giving you our list of do's and don'ts. You need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that. Work, 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 work. Do your works, do your works, do your works. Here's the here's strange thing about works. We are justified apart from works. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Works do not save us. We are justified apart from works. We are justified, we are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for our sin and we repent of our sin and we place our faith in Christ. We are declared not guilty. We are not declared not guilty of all the things that we have done. We are not justified by our works but, hear this, we are justified unto works. We have been declared not guilty. We have been raised from the dead. We are the valley of dry bones. We are made alive. We have been created a new creation with a ministry of reconciliation. And all throughout scripture, we see this idea of living out the Christian life, living out a life that we follow Christ. Bearing fruit is the idea of living out the life that is within us. It is manifested by the way that we live our life. Here's some scripture. I am going to read very fast. So just, you either listen or you can turn there, but by the time you get there, I'm going to be halfway through. Galatians 5, 16 through 24. Galatians 5, 16 through 24. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh 
are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, if you have been born again, if you have been abiding in the vine, if you are a new creation in Christ, you are not under the law. No, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, but those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You cannot be a spirit-filled believer of the Lord Jesus Christ and these things be part of your life, ongoing nature, with no conviction, no remorse, and flippant regard to what God said. If you live this way over and over and over and over, it doesn't mean that we're not capable of doing all of them a few times. It's not saying that we can't be in the middle of them right now, but what it's saying is you live these things continuously with no repentance and no remorse and no regard to the holiness of God. You are showing mankind and you are showing the Lord you are not his, but he knows you're not his or you wouldn't be doing those things. So when the world says, but this is what I need to do, you are saying to God, I am going to do what I'm going to do because I am not connected to the vine. But we preach the bad news so that we can hear the good news. But, I love buts in the Bible. That sounds kind of weird. Don't just take that out of context. Verse 22, but the fruit of, fruit of the Spirit. Somebody says, Pastor, give me a list of, of what I need to be doing to bearing fruit. I love when people ask me that. They expect I'm gonna give them a list of things they need to do. Pastor, give me a list. I'm gonna give you a list. Write them down. You don't have to write them down. They're written down for you. I'm gonna give you a list of things of what it looks like to bear fruit. Are you ready? This is what it means to bear fruit. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and his desires. What does it mean to abide in the vine and bear fruit? Love, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That is what it is to bear fruit. It's not hard. It's a natural manifestation of what is taking place within your heart. A spirit-filled life is an overflow of the inflow of what it is to have the spirit abiding within us. It just naturally comes out. You believe that? You're looking like you don't believe that. Why is this so difficult? Pastor, I want to be a, a, a fruit-bearing, spirit-filled Christian, but I don't have time with this love, patience, goodness, kindness. Just give me something that I can do I know is going to make God happy. Okay. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Those are the things that God is concerned about. And the relationship based on who I am in Christ. And if I get those things right, all the other stuff's gonna work out. 
If you're displaying the fruits of the Spirit, you're going to do the things that you should do that Scripture said. You're going to be a person of prayer. You're going to be a person of word. You're going to be a person of corporate worship. You're going to be a person that loves to come and sing with the saints and fellowship with the saints and serve your community with the gospel. These things are naturally going to be manifested out of the Spirit-filled life. That's what happens. So there's a word, fruit-bearing. Another word we see in the text when we think about branches, pruning. I got in trouble yesterday. That's my life story. A little quick story. I think it, it, it comes home. I had gotten, I don't even know what it's called. I, I love plants, but I don't ever, I, very rarely do I know what my plants are called, but I can grow them. So I had this plant that I had gotten from Sharon's mom and, and so it, it, it had grown tall and straggly and lanky and it was just long shoots of stuff and on the very top was some little flowers on the top and I've been telling Sharon, I said, I gotta find somewhere to get a lot of sun and so, I mean, I'm out there for 30 or 40 minutes trying to figure this spot out and she said, let's put it there. So I put it there and she goes inside and I cut it that high off the ground. Well, if I'd have known you were going to cut the flowers off, I said, well, let me tell you something. That thing doesn't look good right now, but in about two years, they'll be taking pictures of this and it'll be in a magazine. I don't want something 10 foot tall with a flower on top of it. I want a flowering bush by my front door. I said, honey, you get back in that house right now. I was doing some pruning out here. You're not spiritual enough to understand this, honey. I enjoyed sleeping in the garage last night with that little. But isn't that true, though? Isn't that true? That word pruning means cleansing. I'm going to go back to my graduates. This is exactly what I was saying a while ago. I'm going to grow up, and this is me. I'm going to grow up and be an astronaut. There's nothing wrong with being an astronaut. That was me. That's what I wanted to do. I strike out doing what I want to do. Made some bad choices, made some good choices, made some bad choices, made some good choices. But all along the line, there's my heavenly father. Clip, 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 clip. When I was disobedient, clip. When I was obedient, clip. It's pruning, but the word literally means cleansing. I don't want you to be an astronaut. I want you to be a pastor. Thank you for your cleaning and pruning. Here's the great news of that. All we have to do is get in the vine. He'll take care of the rest. So we have fruit bearing, which you get your pruning. Number two, and I'm going to be quick, abiding. We saw that 10 to 11 times. I don't remember. 10 or 11 times. Abide, 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 abide. Christ in you, you in Christ. Christ in you, you in Christ. It is the idea of dwelling. It's the idea of a permanent relationship. It's the idea of absolute dependence. 
It's not a mental understanding of something. I believe in Jesus. I believe historically that Jesus Christ is a real person. It is like, I love Jesus. Jesus is mine. I abide in him. It is a permanent thing. I am totally dependent. I get kind of nervous when someone says, take Jesus as Savior. True statement. I always like to say, take Jesus as Savior and Lord. He is Lord and Master. You are bowing your knee and your heart and your mind to the sovereign rule and reign of Jesus Christ as the Lord and Master and ruler of your life. And here's the great news about that. Once you understand who Jesus is, you don't want to be anywhere else. Would I rather bow my knee to the master, the Lord Jesus Christ, or bow my knee to Satan? There's only two choices. Would I rather bow my knee to me? I know what's going to happen in my life the moment I become in charge. Or do I want to follow after Christ? Just abide in Christ. Love Christ. Love his word. Be a person of prayer. Display the fruits of the spirit and love Jesus Christ. Abide in me. And then last. I'm going to leave some stuff out. You can go online and read it. So we have the branches. We have bearing fruit. We have abiding. And then last, we have glorifying. True story. When I was a little kid, Mama, what can I get you for Mother's Day? Never asked my dad. I just always gave him new underwear or a shoehorn. <laughs> Bedroom slippers. Something like Never asked him. We just got them. I remember asking my mom, Mama, well, I, can, I could call right now. and It'd be, it'd be, it'd be a little different, but there's always something but. No, you don't, just this. But here's what my mom used to say. Mama, what can I get you for Mother's Day? This is what she would always tell me when I was little. Just love me and obey me. Now think about that. The greatest gift my mother wanted when I was a little boy, you can probably understand why, when I was a little boy, just love me and obey me. Father, what can I get you today? Father, what do you need out of me today? Father, I'm listening to the word. Father, I love the word. Father, I'm motivated. What can I do today? Boy, the spirit is burning within my heart and I'm gonna leave here different than I came. Father, what can I do as I walk out of those doors today to be a different believer? And he's gonna say, all I want you to do is glorify me. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and you show the world, you prove to the world that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. By this, the Father is glorified as we go out and abide in the vine and we bear much fruit of the vine and we're showing the world, not that prove the world you're a disciple, not by your words, you are showing the world you are a blood-bought, redeemed child of the King. And you are proving to the world who you follow. Isn't that incredible, that one little verse? You want to know what pleases the Father? Let me tell you what your heavenly Father wants out of us. He wants us to be in the vine as a branch, bearing fruit, proving to the world that we believe that Jesus Christ is still on his throne and the Father and the Son and the Spirit, they are God. That's what the Father wants. He doesn't need another trinket on Father's Day or a trinket on Mother's Day. He just wants our heart. He just wants our life. Notice what it says. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Notice what it's saying. 
Go bear fruit, prove you're my disciples. Understand the Father loves me and I love the Father. Abide in my love, keep the commandments. Jesus is saying, as I kept the Father's commandments, you keep my commandments. Keep the word, believe the word, trust the word. These things I have spoken to you that your joy may be full. Closing statement. By abiding, bearing, following, and obeying. Abiding, bearing, following, and obeying the things of God. By these, we understand the love of the Father. Abiding, abiding, bearing, and following, and obeying. By these, we bring glory to God. By abiding and bearing and following, obeying, obeying, by these we can embrace the fullness of joy. All the theological things solidify this statement. If you don't have fullness of joy in your life right now, you're not seeing God right. You're not seeing the vine right, the vine dresser right. If you don't have fullness of joy, it's not out here that's the problem. You've been focusing on out here too much. The reason we don't have fullness of joy is we don't understand the gospel right. Abide in the vine. Bear fruit. Love the Father. Follow him. Obey his commandments. That's where we find our joy. Let's stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you for the word this morning from your word. As we come to a a time of decision and commitment, I pray that we don't just sing our need for thee every hour, but Lord, we believe it. Help us to understand that this morning as we sing and let this truly be a time of, of commitment and a time of decision based upon your word. And this we pray in Christ's name.